Welcome, Yogesh. <laughs> I am super excited to have you on. Um, those of you tuning in, this is the Meet Your Species podcast where we meet interesting new people and just get to know them, get some context. Who are they? Why do they think the way they think? All that kind of stuff. So yeah, uh, this is Yogesh. He's uh, a wonderful person I met during uh, the Hatha Yoga teacher training when I was at the ashram in India. And uh, he's been on some very interesting adventures since then. So I'm really looking forward to diving in and getting the full scoop. So mm -hmm. um, I think we'll just start it simply. Uh, where are you from? Where did you? Where do you hail, my <laughs> friend? Well, first of all, great to be here, and uh, really excited to sit and share a few minutes of my life with you guys. Um, well, maybe a few years in a few minutes, but uh, anyway, I I come from Tennessee. I was born in Texas. Uh, my biological mother um, passed away when I was two and a half, and then I essentially ended up moving to Tennessee with my father. Lived in North Carolina for five years, South Carolina for like five years, and then ended up in Tennessee. And so I grew up uh, near the mountains um, of East Tennessee. And, uh, and yeah, I, from like eighth grade onward, that's where I've been. And I ended up moving near Nashville for my college. And uh, so, yeah, I'm a... Boy. Southern man, <laughs> as they might say, but um, yeah, yeah. So Tennessee, yeah, interesting. Um, so, what would you say in those uh, earlier years in Tennessee, or even your family back in Texas and all this? What are those uh, early moments that helped really shape? Like, I, I mean, I, I would imagine uh, losing your mother in some aspects would help shape a lot of things in your life. But what are those kind of people or events like that that would have really helped you think the way you think? So I think <clears throat> when I was growing up, we were not very well to do. Um, my father had a carpentry business for a while and then it kind of went bankrupt. So we had to kind of, from our nice house and little piece of land that we had, we kind of sold the all everything and kind of downgraded our lives quite a bit. My father had remarried, and uh, the woman who raised me um, was kind of had some history of mental illness, and so our relationship was tumultuous, I guess, um, to put it very simply, and. It was quite abusive. I mean, it's not like a, I don't like to think of it as like a sad story or anything because, uh, <clears throat> I don't know, it made me who I am today. But yeah, um, growing up, I always kind of was longing for some sense of 
completeness and love in my life because in the family situation, it wasn't really there. My dad was like my best friend. But then I had this contrasting figure in my life that was like, sometimes would bring me in close and sometimes would push me away. And so I feel that I kind of unknowingly thought stability and and love and joy and you know because I never could really grasp it in my home you know so uh, we were not religious like so much um like we went to church from time to time but I was always like very spiritual kind of kid like I never I never like I could I never accepted the idea that like if you weren't a Christian, you're going to hell or something like that. I remember just like being like completely um, adverse to those kinds of ideas, even from a very young age. And I questioned so much, you know, um, in in that area. And then my father, um, actually, who, like I said, we were very close when I was 17 or when I was 14, he discovered that he had like um, renal cancer. So he had a kidney removed, and then we thought that, okay, everything is fine now. And then a couple years later, when I was 17 or 16 or 17 or so, um, some spots showed up in his lungs and everything. So he ended up passing away when I was 17. Mm. Essentially, um, you know, I kind of was started to get into drinking and drugs and, and, uh, basically I left my home when I was 18 and that was October of my senior year. So I kind of had from where my biological mother had passed away, I had some money say like kind of in the background that was building up over time. And then I kind of uh, received that money right after my father passed away. And then my mother, my, the person who raised me, um, kind of, we, we just didn't have a a good relationship. So I ended up, you know, kind of like moving into my best friend's house and, or actually I got an apartment on my own for a while and then I had a lot of money and a lot of pain. So at that time it was very formative for me because like, I, I kind of got really depressed because I had everything I wanted, but it seemed like like nothing could, um, nothing could like fill that void in me, you know, and as much money as I spent and, um, the more fun I had, I just watched myself deteriorate. And there were mornings when like, I just didn't want to get out of bed. And I was, you know, just a senior in high school. So many other things happened. I got kicked out of high school and, you know, lots of, kind of unwholesome events transpired but I I had like kind of a small awakening at that point where when I looked around myself and I was just surrounded by like horrible like just ugly kind of gross situations I just looked around and was like this is not how I want to live my life you know and 
as a young man, I was always into comic books and superheroes and all kinds of, uh, you know, I wanted to like, I wanted to be a sportsman and I wanted to be an athlete and I wanted to be a martial artist. None of those opportunities ever came into my life. But once I was out on my own, then I kind of said, you know what? I want to make a change. So I started exercising, working out. My best friend, um, who later became like, you know, a professional power lifter or not Olympic weightlifter, sorry. Uh, he and I kind of like started down that path together. And like by the time I was 21, um, you know, I had kind of started along the the road to um, where I am now, which is, um, you know, very much oriented towards, uh, you know, improving myself on a daily basis and benefiting from a lot of work that I did, I think, at that time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's, that's kind of what... <laughs> I wouldn't say inspired me, but I just got so desperate that I I decided like I've just got to do something, you know. And I remember, well, I don't want to go into all those things. It's a little depressing, but uh, there were just there were times whenever I really felt that like okay, it's either get better or just why even be alive, kind of, you know. And so I kind of made that decision and. Uh, and yeah mm. so um what was your like how would you describe your your dad as a person well he was a very loving person and not a very dominant kind of he was like very mild you know and simple um he was a jack of all trades in fact his name was jack <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and he could do almost anything, you know, he could fix a car, he could build a house, he could, he could do so many amazing things. And, um, you know, but the thing was, the only problem was that, um, at that time, that generation, they just didn't have a sense for health and, um, you know, eating good food or, you know, it was like, there was just, it at least in that, I don't know, whatever kind of cultural context we existed in at that time. And it just wasn't really like at the forefront of people's thought, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, he was, he was a wonderful person, but I would say that he was maybe like weak in a way, you know, because he, he did, he never, he never, He never stood up for me, you know, against the the force of you know the the negative influences in the in the home. And I don't know if that was because he he maybe didn't understand fully how to you know protect a child or whatever. Um, but uh, yeah, he he was. A wonderful person but if I had to say anything negative about him I would say that um yeah he just he 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 was afraid to maybe he didn't want to give up 
the good things he had, even though there were negatives that came along with it. But when, when I look back in retrospect, I'd say that the, the bad outweighed the good, unfortunately. So do you have a, like a favorite memory with him? Yeah. (laughs) You know, he, he played guitar you know, so from time to time he would teach me how to play guitar. There was a period of time where my um, mother, who was uh, kind of stepmother, I guess you would call, she uh, left to go take care of her parents for a while, and we had, um, we had like a period where it was like maybe two months, and the kind of love and like freedom that I experienced at that time, you know, like I remember he gave me $20 one time or something like that, or he gave me $5, you know, and I knew that we were poor, you know? So I, I remember just, I remember feeling so bad that, you know, cause I didn't want to take that from him. Um, but it was like, I didn't have fear to be in my own home. I didn't have fear to just be, you know? And it was like, those couple of months where we just, I don't know, ate nachos and watched TV together, you know, we ate nachos like three times a week, you know, or whatever, because we could, you know, and like, we didn't have to answer to anybody. And, uh, but it was like a beautiful time that we experienced together where we didn't, we didn't have to be in fear, you know? So those were good times. You know, I went skating. I'm, went to friend's house. I had a friend spend the night, which is like, <laughs> didn't happen, you know? So I just remember that I was like maybe 12 or something like that. And uh, just going into middle school and yeah, it was a beautiful time. Mm. It's nice. Middle school can be like some people's like worst period of time in childhood. So yeah. Nice yeah. to have something <laughs> sweet in that. Um, for your uh, biological mother, I know you're quite young, but Maybe through stories that were told, is there, like, how would you describe her as a person? Well, I think, mm, gosh, I really tried to, to try, I, I tried to, like, um, sequester information about her, you know, but it seemed like nobody had, like, they, they couldn't really describe her other, other than saying she was very loving and very kind and stuff like that, you know? So I never really got a feel for who she was, you know? But if I had to, if I had to understand who she might've been, then I would have to kind of maybe look back at my grandmother on my, on my mother's side. So we spent time with her, right? Yeah. She was like the closest person in my life. She was like, I think that person other than my father that kind of showed me unconditional love, but was willing to fight for me. And there were instances where there were, there was like friction between her and my stepmother. Um, There was even a moment where she thought to just run away with me, you know? And in fact, (laughs) you know, I felt that I was lucky that I had those one or two months in Texas with her every year because you know, my parents medicated me when I was six years old. They took me to a psychologist and I was like ADHD, right? So then they started feeding me Ritalin. And like, I can tell you that in my house, like every time I even laughed, it was like, go take your medicine. 
you know, so it was like really disturbing, you know, and um, I knew what it did to me, you know, I would feel dull, you know, and I would not feel hungry. I would feel a little sick to eat, you know, sometimes in the morning after taking the medicine. And uh, so when I went to my grandmother's house, she was like, forget that stuff. Mm. You know, and I would gain like 10, 15 pounds. I would be like, you know, just a ball of energy. But you know what? That's what children are, you know. And um, so uh, so if I had to think about and understand my mother, I would say that probably I don't know how much it would translate because I think my grandma was a, probably a different grandma than the, than she was a mother, you know? Yeah, Because maybe she learned from all those mistakes and then tried to, like, shower me with more love and caring and stuff. So, um, but I think they had a nice relationship. And, and my grandma was, like, one of these people that, like, just decided to be joyful, you know, all the time. Like, she just was kind of a simple person in that she didn't like to get too deep into thinking about like you know what's right and wrong in the world but like whatever she could do that was best and was good and um what she could do as like a good christian woman as she would say you know uh that's what she did and she would honestly like sometimes just ask you know why me why am i so blessed even after my mother passed away which was like so hard for her and and even when she had, even after her husband passed away, you know, which was fairly early, she was only like in her 60s. So like they still would have had 20 more years together. She would say, why me? You know, why am I so blessed to be this joyful and happy? And so she was like that. So I think probably my mother was like a cool person and um, enjoyed but she just enjoyed a little too much and that was why she ended up dying she died in a drunk driving accident mm. yeah so so yeah um but i i wish i would i wish i could know but nobody's around anymore to tell me you know mm. but uh at the same time like it's 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 not something that i think too much about you know but uh but yeah i do i do wonder you know like what what reflection might be in me or something like that you know sometimes yeah yeah i i watched a documentary and i'm trying to remember the name of it it's like twinsies or something. i can't remember but there was um two girls who were both asian and they were both adopted mm -hmm. and uh one of them was in california and she made like a youtube video or something this is years ago mm -hmm. and another one was in france and she's looking at it and she's like like identical to me like visually yeah it's like freaky so she just kind of reached out on facebook like i think you're my twin and it turned out they were so long story short uh they ended up going to i think it was korea where um they were adopted from mm -hmm. and they actually they couldn't track down their um like birth mother but they tracked down the two women who uh, independently took care of uh, each of them respectively mm -hmm. so when you met them even though it was only like a few months, I think that they had them before it went under the next whatever step in the adoption process. Uh, you met one woman who took care of the um, the girl who ended up in California, and that girl's very like outgoing and bubbly and like this. And this woman also is so close. Yeah. And then similarly, the other one, um, the girl who was in France, I think uh, she was much more reserved. And also that woman who was taking care of her was the same. Mm -hmm. So you can just see the impact at like such a young age of. How the people around you are 
and uh, I I can only imagine that it would be the same since you had a good two and a half years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, I I often wrestle with the whatever it is that I picked up from, um, because also that reflects in me, and I can see that especially when I started on the path of yoga, because then I you know the whole thing was like, I don't want to feel angry. I don't want to. I don't want to just switch. You know, all of a sudden to like you know, from normal, happy, joyful to like, just all, all of a sudden, like feeling like some demon lives inside of me or something, you know? And so it, it kind of taught me a lesson, you know, that like, that, you know, I, although it wasn't genetic, but still there was so much influence, you know, but, uh, but I think ultimately like now, when I look at my grandmother and how she was, I would say that something prevailed in me from mm -hmm. that, you know, more because uh, I think it was like maybe fighting, fighting to get out. And then I just had to find a way to like free it, you know, in a way. So, so with your grandmother, you said that she was one of the people that you felt like really kind of was in your corner, right? Fighting for you. Is there, um, any example of like something you you can share that would like kind of paint that picture of how that that moment that like wow I really love you grandma kind of thing. Well, it's okay if you don't want to. No, it's okay. I, you know, um, it was. The feeling I got every time that I left, like at the airport, you know, about to just fly off. Or to go back to Tennessee. Yeah. That's when it all came down, you know, like it just, it just would hit us, you know, and we would both just, just cry, man, both of us, you know, and, uh, you know, we, we were just so close, you know, that like we would, you know, I mean, she spoiled the hell out of me, honestly. And I was just, I just took and took, you know, like, and, uh, but, uh, you know, there was an instance where like, when she told me that when she found out that I was, that my mother passed away and that, uh, I was going to go live with my father, she said, you know, I really considered just running away with you, you know? And so, um, from that moment, like we, I, I mean, I just knew that, uh, I knew that she really did consider that, you know, and, and, uh, I almost wish she would have, cause life would have been much, much different, you know, like I, but maybe if I hadn't had to go through all those things and to have the taste of two different worlds, you know, maybe I wouldn't have become who I am today, but yeah, you know, um, you know, but I can tell you, I, yeah, yeah, so I think, I think that's it, man, it was just, there was just something ever present that I really knew that she would do anything for me and anything I asked, and it was, 
it was almost unfair to ask, you know, because I knew that it was always there. And maybe, maybe you take those people for granted sometimes. I don't think I took her for granted like most people have done. I've seen, you know, where they just really don't know what they have. I always like express my love and, but uh, yeah, like it was always ever present, our relationship and the power of our love and stuff between each other, so. Mm. Yeah. And uh, I forget, do you have any siblings? No. Okay. And, um... What about uh, other people, teachers, or like friends, or like any kind of mentor in that early age, mm. like eighteen or younger? Yeah, yeah. So you know, I had a I had an uncle who was actually fun, you know, funnily. I don't know if that's a word, but it is um, today. <laughs> <laughs> so <clears throat> he was my stepmother's brother. And, you know, I think there was like a cycle of abuse that went on in their family from her mother. And that's why she ended up the way she was. And he he was actually he was actually gay, you know, and he was married for many years. And uh, he was, you know, Uncle Dan. And even now it's been so long since he was married, actually. Uh, then I don't remember his wife's name, but they separated as friends. Once it kind of, you know, became evident that like he was, you know, that he wanted to go down a different path. And uh, so he was an art collector and he was also like a Buddhist, you know, like a like a Christian Buddhist kind of person, you know, where they kind of, you know, I guess take whatever is relevant for them or whatever. But sounds pretty American. Yeah. Yeah. But he, you know, he was he was he would always visit New Mexico that's one of the places where he felt like so much power and so much um, like spiritual, uh, you know, energy, you know, that, that kind of like pervaded the place. And so he would, that's where he would go for his like to retreat, you know, and to like get a peace of mind and all that kind of stuff. And so he would um, visit the reservations and he would send me stories and like, you know, these traditional storytellers and stuff like on tape, cassette tape at that time, <laughs> you know, and I would listen to him again and again and again. Uh, and, uh, and the artwork was like the tribal art, you know, it's like patterns and it was like, you know, um, earthy and, and then, uh, you know, he sent me a book uh, when I was like maybe 18 or so. And I'm not sure exactly when, but it was called the way of the, the way of the warrior mm -hmm. or the fearless warrior or something like that. But it was written by a Tibetan Buddhist monk. And I think master, I'm not sure, but um, it just, kind of made the distinction between courage and fearlessness, you know, and mm. somehow that stuck with me. And, um, and so I don't know, uh, he, he was, he definitely influenced my, my life in terms of art and, um, in terms of acceptance, you know, I never found myself at odds with people's lifestyle, you know, 
there was one point in college whenever like one of the most beautiful times of my life was, you know, I had, I was in an art collective with a few friends and a lot of them were like either, um, you know, they were all like LGBTQ or whatever, you know, like some of them were transgender, some of them were, you know, lesbian, lesbian couple. And then the, you know, my, yeah, so it was, and they were so accepting and like, I, I just kind of blended right in, you know, and I was just like, you know, like you said, maybe I guess white bread or something like that. You know? <laughs> like, and, you know, um, so that understanding, and I have to credit that to my, to my stepmother as well, you know, because there were certain ideologies that, you know, she always fell on the correct side of, of, you know, on the, on the, on the beautiful side of a lot of issues. And like, you know, she had that compassionate understanding. It was just knowledge of the self that she didn't have. So she lashed out and did so many things, but yeah, he, I was really lucky he came into my life because he exposed me to a lot of really interesting things that maybe I would otherwise never have experienced. Mm. So, um, you said you moved out at around 18, right? Yeah. So that itself must have been a pivotal point, I would imagine. Well, it was, I was in the midst of like little depression, um, and my family had all kind of converged because like my father was the youngest and he was um like the one that kind of everybody didn't have didn't take issue with so everybody else had problems and he was the one that kind of brought everybody together uh -huh. so in that sense once he was gone then um i'm not sure i was in a troubled place where like i mean i think i i got into a i got into a drunk driving accident when i was like 17 and totaled my truck and um, got arrested and then my whole family was there at that time and <laughs> so I kind of was getting a little bit of a bad name in the family because they just although I had heard so many stories about like all the transgressions and things that they had done when they were young and um, but for some reason at that time everybody like just kind of I wouldn't say shunned me um, you know there was there was only like a couple of people who were like, you know what, if you need something, you can come live with me. You can come, you can do whatever you need. You know what I'm saying? Like there was just like really only one person and he wasn't even my biological uncle. He was like a brother to the the wife of one of my uncles, you know? So, mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it was like, I kind of felt abandoned, you know what I'm saying? Like I, I really, but like not consciously, um, you know, like when I said, I'm going to move out, I started spending, a, I started spending the night at my buddy's house a lot. And then all of a sudden I said, all right, I'm moving out. And then all of a sudden I come home, my bags are like, everything's packed, you know? Oh. And it was like October of my senior year. So, um, so yeah, I was, uh, you know, I was like just really disturbed and, um, and yeah, you know, it, it, it wasn't really until I kind of, you know, I had my apartment for some time and then uh, that was just completely out of hand. 
and it was just completely a disgusting situation in terms of I didn't know how to take care of anything. I didn't know how to, yeah, I didn't know how to take care of myself well. <laughs> um, so I ended up moving into my best friend's house. And so at that time, that's whenever I understood like a healthy family unit, you know, like they had a good relationship with mother and father, brothers and sisters were there. And so at that point, I kind of like glimpsed like a little bit of sanity and wholesomeness that I had probably only seen on a movie or something like that. Or, you know, like I said, at my grandma's house. But, uh, you know, they included me into their family. And yeah, from there, I kind of got the strength and and got back on my feet mentally. And then I was kind of, uh, you know, me and my buddy kind of set out on our journey to university after that. And yeah, so. So you went to, uh, you said university, right? Yeah. What did you at that moment feel like you should do? Or did you not know? Man, it was like, um, we actually, we worked for like about a year. Um, and we just hated it so bad. I remember sitting out in front of Titan Stadium in Nashville, like, I don't want to serve another, I don't not, you know, another thing of nachos to these unhealthy, like, silly people, you know, and we were just like, I don't want to go to work today. You know, and I just remember like sitting in the car, like screaming and just like, I don't know, getting it out, you know, and then like, okay, we, we ended up going into work. <laughs> but the, Take your order. <laughs> yeah, you know, and we were like stocking concession stands at Titan Stadium. And uh, um, basically, uh, we just said, you know what, forget this. This is horrible. We're going to go and like, make, you know, get an education and make some money. So when we first went to school, like for me, it was like really exciting because I always loved academics. And I mean, I'm not the most academic person, like in terms of, you know, I'm not studious as such, like, you know, like I'm not, I would say not well organized in my study, you know, um, I'm always studying something, but I'm not like very well kind of like managed to like do all the things I need to do to like achieve mm -hmm. like a certificate or something like that, you know? Um, but all the things I loved, I always, I was really, you know, just got so much joy out of learning. And so I started out thinking I was going to be like a big animal vet, you know, cause when we were in Nashville working, uh, we would just come home and like watch animal planet, you know, and, uh, my best friend was always better because he could always name all the facts, you know, like he'd be like, I'd be like, yeah, I think an elephant weighs this many tons. He'd be like, no, they weigh this many tons. And I'd be like, whatever <laughs> guy, you know, and, uh, <laughs> are you a crocodile hunter fan? Uh, you know, not so much. I think at that time, crocodile hunter was like, I think he had already passed away and mm -hmm. it was like, uh, or maybe we just missed, missed him but we were we i just remember watching a lot of those kind of like david attenborough style oh, okay. things you know so i thought i was going to be a big animal vet and then i started taking biology i had a teacher that was really cool he was actually a mycologist so he's into fungi um and 
I was like feeling like so cool, you know, because like to 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 feel intellectual and to feel like I was achieving something like for me was like really amazing. I mean, um, we were also like smoking a ton of weed at that time. <laughs> like we had like, you know, we kind of gave up alcohol and decided that was evil and. <laughs> then we we started smoking tons of weed and uh we were in you know college it was my two best friends um one girl and one guy and so yeah we 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 enjoyed i started in biology and it was a lot of fun but then once we got to microbiology i started thinking hmm <laughs> i don't know um so yeah, that's that's kind of what I where I started out, but then I got into culture and then I got into martial arts and then I would thought, you know, I want to be like a James Bond, you know, I want to I want to learn all like three languages and I want to like do martial arts and we we my, my buddy and I we really liked we were into parkour. So we were like tearing that campus up, having an excellent time. I mean, it was it was a really fun time, you know. It was a really fun time. Um but, uh, you know, at that time, my best friend was like, you know, it, he was kind of, you know, I, with people that I really care about, there's this, there's this thing in me where it's like, I don't actually want to like be with them. I want to actually be them. You know, that's how I felt, you know, and like he was. He was big and strong and handsome and he was quiet you know, he was like all those things that like, you know, superheroes are in the movies and everything. <laughs> so, so I, I, I didn't really kind of, our relationship kind of cooled off, like as my years, as the years in college kind of went on. And so when that happened, that's when I really kind of was able to break out because I always kind of looked at him because he came from this nice family. He was like stable. He was, and I was just all a mess, you know, but he still loved me. And we, we had like, um, you know, just a super close friendship, you know, it was just like, we just, from we just basically decided one day, like when we were spending time together in high school, we were like, dude, you're like my best friend. I would do anything for you, you know? And mm -hmm. like, you know, let's, let's walk together on this journey for a while, you know? And so we just basically like literally did everything together for like three, four years, you know, and lived together and traveled together. And so, but it was actually only after our relationship cooled off and for various reasons, um, that I started to discover myself because I, I kind of was always like judging myself according to him and, you know, who he was and everything. And so, um, it wasn't until I kind of like broke free a little bit that I started really to, you know, enjoy my life at college and stuff like that to, to like make friendships. Cause I was like, I was like in this mode where I was like, I shouldn't talk to people. I should be quiet and brooding, you know, and like, <laughs> I should be cool all the time. You know, I should be, be cool, like man. mysterious, you know? <laughs> um, but I could never help it. I always seem to like talk to people in class. I always seem to, you know, like, open up, you know, and so once I started to really accept that, and once we weren't like living together and continuously, like, you know, in the presence of each other, then I really kind of, uh, yeah, came into my own, I think. Um, but yeah, so 
which opened up the good and the bad, you know, because I kind of, I kind of really just went wide open and like then whatever was there that wasn't so desirable also started to kind of surface Mm. and which ultimately is what kind of led me into, into yoga, which it it led me first into martial arts because I was seeking some spiritual something in me. Um, so are you thinking like Kung Fu masters seem to have something like that? Yeah. Well, you know, the story is really lame. I watched the last samurai. Oh, with Tom Cruise. Yeah. And you know, <laughs> like, I mean, it's hilarious now to look back and think like Tom Cruise is the last samurai. I mean, it's just insulting probably to the samurai in so many ways, <laughs> <laughs> like out of a thousand year old tradition, like Tom, Tom Cruise is the last samurai, but uh anyway i was so inspired by japanese culture and their purposefulness and their the beauty of their and the simplicity of their aesthetics and stuff that i was just like i'm gonna become the most hardcore warrior that's ever walked on the face of this planet and all right, all right. <laughs> and i didn't think it was gonna be that hard i thought all you had to do is just like set your mind to it and then that's it but apparently you just got to get kidnapped by a samurai. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apparently there's quite a distance to walk, you know. Um, so, so that's when I I kind of got into martial arts, and it kind of gave me some strength because somewhere in me I always felt like I'm not good enough. I, I didn't have any confidence. I didn't like, I didn't like my body. You know, like I had so many things that were, um, just kind of like pins in my in my head you know all the time and like would influence the way I interacted with everybody and so martial arts like when I was like you know I started actually doing something and excelling for the first time in anything you know um because it was jujitsu you know jujitsu like you don't have to be the strongest guy if you're smart and you're a little athletic like you can you can it's like playing chess like you can really you know get good and so i started to get good and and it gave me a lot of confidence um but you know yeah so is there something specifically that like um i only did like just a tiny bit of uh i think like a karate class when i was little and mm-hmm. then i started kicking my sisters and so that took me out right <laughs> now you're done <laughs> but uh is there something you can like articulate about the martial art that gives you that sense of confidence well to be honest with you i think that the the idea that i got from all the movies i watched was actually was was like my perceived reality and uh of the martial arts that i was seeking you know it wasn't i definitely wanted to like you know figure out how to I definitely wanted to like be fit and be strong and not be weak, you know. Um, but what I wanted out of the martial arts was like a sense of balance and a sense of focus, powerful focus, you know. And when you watch those martial arts movies, that's what those guys seem like, you know. They seem like wow, and and I'm, I'm maybe on some level they are because you know any of those guys that you obviously have to train hard and um you obviously have to have something um but you know what where it's coming from whether it's coming from insecurity or whatever which was the case for me 
um, you know, it, it, it doesn't necessarily always kind of translate into like spiritual growth. It just translates into like, okay, I've got more confidence and it can be dangerous, you know, actually. And so, um, I really wanted the, the, I really wanted to touch that spiritual aspect of, you know, making myself, you know, more mentally tough and more focused and more balanced. Um, but yeah, like, did that come? Eventually? No, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it didn't. And, you know, I think probably that's because, you know, a lot of times maybe you need to be taught by the right people because it, it's not just, you know, I think that in Japan, for instance, like there was a lot of culture or in Korea, you know, like the Taekwondo in Korea or the, the Jiu Jitsu or Judo in Japan, you know, like I can't, this is a, this is a general statement. I may be making some assumptions, but I would think that, you know, at least the, the way the, the class is and the way the people are, you know, there's a lot of their own culture that kind of is as is like a part of it, you know, and that's what's the culture itself and having something to focus on kind of work together to produce whatever it is that, you know, we see as the kind of archetype martial artists, you know, or master of martial arts or whatever. Um, but when jujitsu came to the States, like, I don't think a lot of those things carried over. And actually it was, it went down to Brazil first, at least the martial art that I was, um, involved in. And, you know, Brazil is very much even in certain ways, more loose in certain areas than the U S you know? So if it had been a straight shot, maybe it would have retained a little bit more because U.S. is a little bit more kind of structured and like organized. But Brazil is like very relaxed and laid back. Mm -hmm. So they basically got rid of anything that made it inconvenient. <laughs> you know, I mean, they did like in terms of like meditating or like, you know, really having that sense of bowing down to your master or anything like that. It was just became like you know, uh, just going through the motions, like, okay, bow, ready to go, you know, okay, good training, guys, what's up, you know, like, and so, uh, no, I didn't find what I was looking for, um, because, uh, you know, I just, I think that it's, it's not really there as much anymore, and I think you, you kind of have to find a really special person that can, uh, kind of, transmit whatever that is you know so hmm. so yeah so uh you got into martial arts and you did jujitsu and mm. anything else well i always wanted to kind of be a little well-rounded so i trained a little bit of like you know striking thai thai boxing and then i got into stick like filipino stick stuff and everything i mean i can't say that i ever like excelled in anything but jujitsu really um because like i had a knee injury from parkour and because of that i couldn't kick and like so i kind of like just switched into do doing just jujitsu mostly and so like i kind of got good at that um but uh but yeah i i, I know a little bit about everything 
but um, even to this day, I can't really say that like I'm some like a great martial artist. But I I feel that uh, only recently, in recent years, and this was like years after I kind of stopped training, that I started to understand like what self defense meant, you know, and it's very different from jujitsu and all those things. So. Mm. Can you can you elaborate? Like, what do you mean? Yeah. So, well, uh, you know, if you're if you're on the street, uh, you don't want to just like go onto the ground with somebody. You know what I'm saying? Because there might be other people, and there's lots of situations um, that could make things a little complicated. You know, so uh, there's a specific kind of jujitsu that is like can you know that's oriented towards. Um, self-defense which can be really useful in fact it's been kind of proven that like okay this is the most this is one of the most like the best for you know that for self-defense but um but the truth is is that like a lot of what we learned was like sport jiu-jitsu so it has certain rules certain things you can do certain things you can't do and so ultimately uh, yeah it's just it it was it was a lot of fun and it's it's a it's a cool party trick you know to be able to you know take a big guy down when you're a little guy or something like that but like ultimately like if you think about somebody can bite you somebody can punch you in places that <laughs> or grab you in places that like some don't change yeah exactly like it's it, it's dangerous to have that false sense of confidence that like jujitsu is like the answer because if you if you're out there and you go into the ground with somebody two of his, two of his buddies come up start kicking you and then that's it that's it you know it's it's bad you're in bad shape so mm. But yeah, you know, I'm only now just kind of like, you know, starting to learn a little bit about like what self-defense means. And it's actually in a lot of ways um, more mental than than physical, I found in that you have to you have to think a certain way and 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 be aware in a certain way that then uh, can increase your chance of being safe, keeping yourself safe, keeping your family safe and such. But, but yeah, but you know, at the time it meant a lot for me, you know, so whatever it was, uh, you know, whether it was like, whatever I learned was like super effective or, or whatever, I, I got a taste of, of whatever I wanted, you know, like I could pull off cool moves. I could look like a ninja, you know? So in, in that sense, like, especially with the parkour, yeah, so, like, I, that was my vision, you know. I wanted to, like, put all those things together and be, like, you know, like, be something that I saw in the movie, which maybe isn't that realistic, ultimately, you know. So. And you said this uh, eventually led you to yoga, right? It did. Um, so because of parkour and because of jiu-jitsu, not so much jiu-jitsu, I got lucky somehow, but, um, you know, I had a lot of injuries, you know, and there was one pretty nasty knee injury that I had. And it just really kind of took everything down a notch. You know, I just kind of went from like being like super strong, like young kid to, to uh, all of a sudden, like could barely walk, you know, and I was on crutches for six months. And then 
I was uh, trying to do some rehab, but, you know, I was just, like, not really a very consistent kind of person, you know? Like, I just couldn't seem to keep a schedule from rehabilitation exercises. You know, I could just do whatever I could do at that moment, and, like, I could never do anything consistently as such. So, um, so, yeah, I, I started... (laughs) I started actually, you know, because you hear that like yoga might be the answer and, um, you know, for in- injury and all those kinds of things. So I actually started doing like hot yoga or something, you know, and whatever was there. Yeah, whatever was there that I understood as yoga. And uh, and yeah, you know, to tell you the truth, um, even though hot yoga, I'm not a fan um, these days. I think it seems like really dangerous to me. Um, now that I know more about the whole thing. Uh, but at that time, you know, it helped me, you know, a little bit. And uh, so... It was definitely benefits to a sauna. Yeah, so it it definitely, uh, it definitely, like, I started to feel like I was, like, improving. I started to feel like the injuries were kind of, like, starting to go away a little bit, you know. And, uh, but you know what wasn't going away? Um <laughs> All the drinking and all the drugs and all the the stupid shit that I was doing, you know, all the lashing out and the anger and the uh, getting into really unhealthy relationships. And then like when they didn't like anymore, start, you know, going from love to hate (laughs) automatically, you know, like, so um, life wasn't improving, you know, and I thought that I could like smoke some weed and like you know meditate with some you know low lo-fi hip-hop going or something like that and like uh you know take mushrooms and and somehow like transcend but you know i just was getting worse and worse you know and nothing was really opening up for me though i was having some cool experiences on psychedelics and stuff like that nothing was really like creating a sense of balance you know and i think that's what started to unknowingly i i would have never like called myself unbalanced you know at that time like i would have never said wow i've got an issue you know um but there was just so much suffering you know and it just it just couldn't be um it couldn't be dealt with in any way but like drinking more or or whatever and so uh, i ended up dropping out of college and going down to texas to live with my grandma for some time. And uh, so mm, at that time, I I was still training jujitsu, And, you know, I found a cool crew. And, you know, they were just some good old boys into drinking a few beers. They weren't into, like, you know, doing psychedelics or smoking weed and stuff like that. And so, like, things calmed down a little bit for me. And uh, I was, I played guitar. I was into, like, writing a little, little bit of music here and there. Again, I never finished the song because <laughs> I just wasn't capable to this day. Even, um, but uh, you know, I had I had even been in Brazil for a while, and um, you know, to train jujitsu, I did like an exchange program in college and stuff, and that's cool. Yeah, so I I had I had done a few things, but. Um, ultimately things started to really boil up and and come out and so like i i ended up uh, uh getting pretty desperate and so um i stayed with my grandma for a while i started to get things back on track and you know as 
as you might imagine, I um, thought, okay, I'm good now. You know, I think I can handle this, you know? And uh, so maybe the planets were like, you know, in alignment for a while and like I was good. And that's when I went back up to Tennessee and then I became a member of that art collective and started doing a lot of art and music. And, um, and then, uh, you know what, I still, I started to um, kind of see that, I don't know, maybe I was at a point where there was a little, there was enough balance in me where I could see that, like, I still don't have control. You know, I don't, I, I would just end up drinking too much still, although it was like on a little bit less of a regular basis. And mm -hmm. I was still getting into like unhealthy relationships and stuff. So, so basically I, I just uh, got really desperate and I said, you know, okay, what can I do? And I typed in, uh, you know, I think somewhere along the line, I, I had read that book, uh, Autobiography of a Yogi by oh. Paramahansa Yogananda. Somewhere in the crazy life that I was leading, I, I happened upon that book and I, and I, and I saw that, wow, yogis are like superheroes, you know? They can teleport. They can, like, <laughs> they can, like, be in two places at once. Like, you know, and as a kid, I was, like, I really was like this. I never stopped believing in superpowers. Never. You know, like, my parents would tell me, you can't fly. You can't. It's impossible, you know? And I was like, listen, you don't know how to fly. So <laughs> that doesn't mean that like you can't, somebody hasn't figured it out yet. So that was always in me, you know, I never let that go for some reason. I just always believe that, wow, there, it, we can do things that maybe most people can't do, you know, if you, but you have to, you have to learn, you have to figure it out, you know? And when I read Autobiography of a Yogi, it was like, wow, if you look deep enough and if you figure out how, this thing works, this whatever it is that you call yourself or your body or your mind and all this stuff, like you can do magic basically. And so whenever I finally realized that like, dude, I'm really messed up, you know, I really got to do something. I kind of, uh, I typed in meditation, Tennessee, because like, I was like, you're you in know? Tennessee. Yeah. And I didn't want to go to some psychologist because like, like I was mentioning earlier, you know, they just will medicate you. And I just hated that. Like as a kid, like it just bothered me that I had to like be on medication to be normal. And like, I just didn't buy it. And I just thought this is bull crap. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, um, so I, I decided, let me go and learn some serious meditation. So then I went up to, uh, you know, I, 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 when I typed in Meditation Tennessee, Sagitter Space popped up, you know, and uh, and I had seen him on some videos, you know, like just randomly on YouTube or something. And uh, even my philosophy professor had showed me a video one time and I never knew he taught yoga or anything. I ever I just thought he was like a wise man that like traveled around and talked or something. You know, I just yeah. I didn't have any background and. And yeah, so then I went there, I took uh, a couple of courses and like the quality was like, whoa, this is like good quality, you know, I could just feel it immediately that like the quality was there after being in Hatha Yoga or being in uh, Hot Yoga. 
<laughs> I was like, dude, these are professionals. You know what I'm saying? This is like the real deal. And I could just feel it. Not because, uh, yeah, just because like, that's how it was. And so I started doing a few practices every day. Like it was the only thing that I ever did like every day for like 40 days or something like that. And I'm like, dude, so many things changed. And like, I, I literally like everything just dropped off, you know, like so many things like the drinking and stuff. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I was like in tears. Like I wanted to stop like ending up like not remembering where, where I was, you know, how did I get here? Mm-hmm. I would wake up like that, you know, and just feeling terrible, like feeling so terrible. And being an athlete, like wanting to move my career forward in jujitsu, like I, I couldn't stop like doing really unhealthy stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. And so within a couple of months of like doing some serious yoga, like some serious yoga, uh, all that stuff just cut in half, you know, at least. And so I was like, dude, there's something to this, you know? And so, and I started to feel, you know, above all, like I started to feel some sense of wholeness, you know, whereas like at first it kind of translated in a weird way. Like I really stopped caring what people thought of me, you know, a lot of people would say, you know, I mean, I kind of stepped on a few people's toes you know, in the beginning because, you know, I was just like, I just didn't feel that sense of fear and, and insecurity. And, uh, so, but yeah, a lot of things changed for me and then, uh, yeah. So that's how I kind of got into it. You know? mm. Uh, what's the, like, Was, it, was there any like particular moment when you walked in? Like I know you said it was like, oh, this felt like a proper thing. Mm-hmm. Is there like a particular moment or an interaction with somebody along the way besides uh, just when you Googled it that made you feel like this feels right? Gosh. Um, you know, I think it was... Uh, I mean, I wish I could give like a more profound answer for this, but you know, I think that it was the fact that um, when I, at the end of the class, they give you some like, you know, a sheet that tells you, okay, this, 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 and this, it's like in an order, you know? And like, whenever I saw that, I was like, wow, you know, so much freedom in that I had been for so many years, like trying to keep my fitness up, trying to keep my technique right, you know, and trying to decide all by myself, like what I should do for my own well-being and stuff like that. And so like at that moment, whenever, um, you know, they tell you, okay, this is just what you do and you do it like this and you do it every day, just the same. That was like huge for me, you know, cause I was like, wow, you know, and, something in me was like it was enough to say i'm gonna do this every day like for at least some time until i figure out is this for real you know can this really do something and i think that's i don't know if it was a moment um or if it was like a series of moments where i i i just felt like thank goodness that like i don't have to try to decide anymore 
what it is. This is just these techniques. They're supposed to be done in this order. And, uh, and yeah, let me just, let me just do that. You know, I didn't have to, I didn't have to try to figure it out anymore. And so that I think was huge, you know, just having it be like straightforward and simple. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. And now having somebody to, to guide you on every step, you know, not mm -hmm. just give you an overview or not just kind of um, do something in a class, but then, you know, in, in one class and then afterwards, like you just, the only thing you can do is come back to that class. You know, it was just like, this is yours. You know, even though all of us in the class are learning kind of the same thing, but like, um, but it's yours, you know, and this is what you have to do. And yeah, it was, that was powerful for me. Mm -hmm. um, so that was when, this is, Still in college or? Yeah, I was still in college. I mean, my college dragged out for like eight years. So, um, <laughs> you know, there was a lot of, there was a lot of. Um, like going on. Yeah, you know, and, uh, but yeah, you know, it was an awesome semester. And I, I you know, I, I wanted to like do some more advanced yoga. There was like a few different levels and everything. So I did the first thing. I kept that up. Uh, and then I was like, you know, I want to go a little deeper. And so, uh, and so, yeah, I, went, I, I ended up going there the next summer to just stay and volunteer um, and just basically like just be in a place where like it was just like a wholesome environment. And it was kind of protected. You know, I couldn't really drink there. I couldn't really, you know do anything that might be, uh, you know, that might affect me in a negative way. You know, there was good food, probably the best food I'd ever really had. Cause you know, I, I cooked on my own. We tried to stay healthy, but we didn't know what that meant. That meant like, it was still all mac and cheese and stuff. You know, <laughs> I mean, it was just like maybe a little organic mac and cheese, but it was still the same thing. Going from craft to Amy's. Yeah. Basically, you know, like, <laughs> Going from like instead of my you know tostitos from my nachos to like you know some organic or something like that, but yeah, it was like that. Um, so so yeah, man. And then you know, I'm seeing a, a very prolonged theme of nachos throughout your life, man. <laughs> some things you just attach onto, man. And that was that was my thing as a kid. That was like my favorite thing. It's probably because it's a triangle. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I, I, uh, after that three months, I came back to college, um, and dude, a lot of people around me were like, man, you left as a boy and you seem like a man now. I mean, I, I'm not kidding, you know, like mature friends of mine, like, cause I was like, I always hung out with older people. I don't know what it was, but I would, you know, like a couple of my best, you know, my best friends in, in, while I was in college, uh, were some of my jujitsu friends and like, they were, you know, over 35, I was just 20, you know, and, or 22. And they were like, you know, married and the doctors and stuff like that. I mean, my roommate was like a neurologist and her husband was like a successful businessman. So 
I always had like older friends. And so when I came out of that, you know, people were like, Hey, like you seem a lot different, you know? So, Mm -hmm. so yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so throughout this period, was there anybody, uh, during those months that you really resonated with or that just had a help create a shift? <laughs> I'm trying to think. Could even just be an interesting story. Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> I. You know, I, I, I think it was, uh, no, it was like a, it was like a shedding, you know, it was like shedding off people, you know, I felt like in my life, like I kind of all, it's like there's upgrades, you know, it seems like I go from one level of like, you know, society and experience and like quality of people and stuff like that to like. The next level and i start i felt like so many people at that time that came into my life were like healthy or healthier and wholesome and more like accomplished individuals you know and like so uh you know i i think i would say that you know but but actually you know what now that i started to think about it um you know, the people in the martial arts, there were a couple of them, and one in particular who was a guy who kind of grew up on the first hippie commune in Tennessee. His dad was kind of a famous guy, like a famous, like, hippie, kind of, like, semi-guru type type guy. And they started this commune, and so whenever I went there, it was like a completely different world, you know? It was like, mm, so, so much kind of pseudo evolution had happened there, like in, in terms of the way these people looked at the world and what they did and their, their little society they had created and stuff. And he influenced me so much before I got into yoga, you know, he influenced me. Like, I just thought like, you know, he was, he just meant a lot to me. And he, uh, he was, he was a black belt, jujitsu black belt. Um, and he taught in a completely different way. He was so cerebral in his, I mean, he was like, how do you beat a guy that's like stronger, faster, and better than you, you know? And he's like, we can do it, you know? I know you can do it. Um, but oh, he- Because this was jujitsu. Yeah, I was a jujitsu yeah. guy, right? And so uh, um, so we visited and, and like we were out in nature for the first time. You know, I grew up in like kind of like, I wouldn't call it like a trailer park situation, but I would call it like plasticky, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I there were some really natural, like my house, those last few years while my father was alive, um, was kind of set on a hill and overlook some nature. And even my town was like little natural, but we didn't experience it like that because we just live like a modern life kind of, you know, I mean, it was just like indoors and, and like not really appreciating all those things. But when I went out there for the first time, um, I started to, uh, 
experience nature in a different way. And then he was such an intelligent guy that like he really inspired me. And like, so I kind of emulated him in a lot of ways, but at a certain point, like I started to understand what, like maybe where they, where they didn't transcend on some things, you know, where it kind of looped back around and they kind of got caught again, you know, they, they thought, you know, drugs and freedom and, and, and all this stuff and, and organic living was like the answer, you know, and then I started to discover through him with the kinds of relationships he held and the kinds of things that he started to get into, you know, he became a little fanatical in a lot of ways on some things like politically, spiritually. And he started to like, you know, like create a lot of chaos around him. You know, he, he even, even got kicked out of his own home, you know, like in, in terms of that place. And so to make a long story short, short, when I got into yoga, I think I felt like I broke free from that. You know, I broke free from, other people's influence rather than there being somebody there to influence me i felt like i started kind of taking cue from uh myself you know and obviously like the the person who taught the yoga sadhguru um it was his wisdom i think was there um but it but whatever he was talking was like churning inside of me and and so my own experience started to like kind of pull from that wisdom and like check itself against that. And I started to like find myself like um, knowing things from within myself, you know, and like not, not following other people for the first time, you know? So, so yeah, man, I think it was the first time that actually people weren't influencing me, you know? Mm, interesting. Yeah. So, uh, what then, like, what was the next phase of your life? So, as I started to get more into yoga and everything, I decided, okay, let me, let me go to India. Let me try to go to the source, you know, where like this stuff has been happening for thousands of years and stuff. And you'd been at the, the u.s ashram yeah so there was i was at the center the yoga center in the u.s um and uh what was that thing like you want to go to the source right was there yeah anything about it? you're like okay let's try the other one in india yeah um man, i hate to ask this but can we pause for just a second or i have to go Okay. Uh, sorry, everybody. We needed to <laughs> take care of some business. <laughs> I think all of us had to be pretty. <laughs> yeah, I was just telling uh, while we were off that uh, off camera that I felt like I was starting to rush because I was like <laughs> just had to go so bad, and I was my my seat started to go like this as well. So, uh, so uh, what were we talking about? Oh, uh, that transition phase. When you decided to go to India, that's what we were. Yeah. So, um, you know, when I came back from that three months, the initial stay at the U.S. Center Yoga Center, mm. I a lot of things had improved, you know. But then, like, when I got back into regular life, 
I had improved my situation. You know, I had actually moved in with a friend of mine, a friend of mine's mother, who was like a very wholesome family atmosphere and everything, like more so than where I was uh, when I was a part of the art collective and kind of living with those folks and everything. They were wonderful people, but like they didn't have a sense for like, you know, trying to like get better in the ways that I was trying to get better, you know, um, just a different path. Yeah. They were just, uh, you know, they were into like art they want, you know, and they wanted to like, I don't know that they wanted to do different things, you know, so I wanted to, um, you know, work on myself. So I needed to kind of, in a way, isolate, you know, and kind of get myself into a nice family atmosphere or not family, but at least, you know, that didn't have, you know, like, uh, where I could control who, who I was around as such, you know, where I was, it was kind of like, everybody was in that area. And so, um, so when I got back from the three months, I improved my situation and then, but things were still like there, you know, like I found that, you know, I was still visiting, you know, my favorite pub every, pretty much every day, you know, and still taking a few tokes, uh, a couple beers and a few tokes every day, basically, you know, and, uh, you know, it wasn't nearly as bad. And I was at a point where, like, I felt like, okay, I'm a little more in control and stuff. But, like, I still wanted to, like, I really wanted to, like, I don't know, once you taste a little bit of control and a little bit of balance, like, it seemed like that wasn't good enough. You know, I really wanted to, like, fully go into this. So I kind of set it up with my college. Um that I would go for an independent study in India. I went to India and, uh, you know, it was one of the most unbelievable experiences of my life. I, I just, I tasted new foods. I smelled new smells. I, I, although I had been in Brazil before, so there was like, some things are similar in terms of like the level of like accommodation and things like that. Um, still, this was like a completely new world, you know, it was like the East, you know, rather than the West. And so I, I just, um, I started to do some more advanced practices and like for me, coming from martial art, a martial arts background and a, kind of a fitness background and stuff. I really wanted to, that I, I really connected with doing practices, you know, so I just did a lot of, a lot of practice, you know, I would spend eight hours a day doing the practice and, um, and that was on my own, you know, I, I would volunteer during the day, but like pretty much every day from four o'clock until nine o'clock and then the evening from four o'clock until seven I was just busy doing practice and and at the time I learned more meditation rather than the physical practices and stuff and so I spent five months there and I once I left I kind of I kind of was in a completely different place you know and 
And in fact, it, to the degree, the point where it actually scared me, you know, I was so different that, and I didn't care about any of the same things anymore. And, you know, for me, I had just gotten into yoga and meditation, like, so that I could like do jujitsu better, you know, and be more hardcore, you know, but what I found was like, I just didn't care about those things anymore, you know, and you didn't want to be the last samurai anymore. I didn't want, yeah, I didn't care to be the last samurai anymore. And uh, you know what, it, it wasn't so easy to let go in a way, you know, because like, I wanted to want that. And something in me hadn't like really broke whatever identification I had of being that person. And uh, so, so yeah, I tried to kind of a little bit back step, you know, and just kind of take a step back. And, uh, and ultimately, what I found was, there's no going back, you know. <laughs> and so I spent like six months outside of the of the ashram, or the yoga center. And then I ended up kind of going back for a year to mm. uh, the American center. And, uh, but, you know, in that amount of time that I, that I spent outside after my trip to India, like, I really didn't drink and I didn't smoke and I didn't, uh, you know, get into any kind of really undesirable situations, you know, and, uh, so, yeah, uh, after that, I, I kind of alternated. I would spend some time at the center, and then I would go back and work for some time, you know, because I didn't really understand exactly what I wanted to do in terms of, you know, keep making money. I wasn't fully ready to, like, just be, become a volunteer or a monk or something like that. You know, I was just, like, trying to figure out how can I make money? How can I be successful? Because mm. although many things had, had gone away, you know, there was still that sense that like, I want when people see me, I want them to feel that I'm a success, you know? So, so eventually, um, I kind of, that led me to do the Hatha Yoga teacher training mm. uh, with, with the Isha Foundation in India. There was a bit of a important step before that, right? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I kind of uh, the problem is that I've been a little bit avoiding talking about any of the love life situations because I, out of respect for my wife, you know, because I don't want to talk about all those because those things were happening in parallel to all the other steps that I was taking up until I went to India the final time in 2015, I think. Mm. And uh, when I went this time, um, I had gone for Hatha Yoga teacher training, actually. I had gone for the 2000, I was going to go for 2006 or 15 batch. For those of you who don't know, it's, you know, six month training starts in July, I think, um, or usually does until this COVID thing hit. But anyway, um, I had planned for 2015, but I went and I was just 
I was doing my practice and I was feeling such something so powerful uh, inside of me that I decided, okay, forget the training for now. Let me just stick on as a resident. So I just decided, let me just live there. Hmm. So as soon as I did that, um, you know, some few coincidences happened and there ended up being a lovely young lady that, you know, it wasn't like a romantic thing. I, I literally kind of said one, a prayer one night and, uh, you know, I said, let somebody come along that's going to help me along this path. Within a couple of days, I got a letter from somebody I didn't know that said, hey, I don't know who you are, but I think you're the person I have to marry. <laughs> and so... Quite a letter. <laughs> yeah. So... So a friend of mine, it was like a friend, a mutual friend we had, um, had called me up and said, I need to meet you. So I was like, okay, fine, no problem. It sounded serious. So we met up and then, uh, yeah, she handed me this letter. And the funny thing is I was, you know, I would say that most, mostly I was a pretty shallow kind of guy, you know, when it came to like relationships and stuff like that. Like, you know, I had a certain expectation or something like that, you know, and I had to like be kind of, you know, I would never have jumped into anything without, like, so many kind of, you know, so many, you know, uh, preliminary steps, you know, and all that kind of stuff. The normal, like, yeah, like an American getting to know somebody. Yeah, you know, um, but I just had the strength and the courage at that moment, and I was just kind of fed up with all the terrible relationships that I had had and all the mistakes I had made. And it wasn't just um, that I had picked the wrong people, but I had also not picked the right people. You know, there were the right people. And, you know, I said, not this time. You know, I'm not going to, like, let something go that could potentially be something that that maybe I didn't choose, but that came. And in the past, whenever something had come, I didn't have the strength and I, and I, there was too much fear in me that I couldn't take it. So I said, I'm going to do this. You know, I just, and like my friend who delivered the letter was like, are you, sh what, what, <laughs> you know? Like, I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. I mean, this, the girl who sent the letter, who's now my wife, thank goodness. Uh, She's a very traditional girl, and it's it's like it's either marriage or nothing, you know. I mean, there's no dating, okay. And so, like that, uh, you know, her our mutual friend had convinced her, like, okay, he's he's a Westerner, he's an American, you know, because the story goes basically like she had seen my face on Facebook and read the small something that I wrote, and it just touched her so deeply, and she had this overwhelming feeling that like this is the person that I have to marry. She didn't even know I was in India. Um, and she had written this letter before even thinking that she would ever give it to me because she thought I was in Tennessee. 
Oh, just simply writing it. Yeah, she just wrote it, and she was gonna actually like throw it in a fire and try to like let this go because it was like so strong within her, and so she uh, ended up meeting up with our friend, and this all came out, and the friend said, "Let me give me that letter. He he's here. He's in India, you know, right now." And so then uh, it transpired as it did after that, and. Um, so, yeah, I just had a feeling in me that, like, okay, not this time. I'm not going to let something go that could, like, you know, really be something so powerful in my life. And so I, I just said, I'm going to do this. You know, let's do this. I'm ready to get married right now. So you just decided right now? I just decided right there that very night. And um, so my friend was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. Uh, I think that's great, but she's going to be dancing tomorrow at this, um, in this temple and stuff. She was a, she, she was a dancer. And so she's like, you just come see. And after that, if you think, you know, uh, then we can confirm. So yeah, I went and she looked like, you know, a goddess and the way she danced, it was like, I've seen few professional dancers and I felt that she, something about the way she moved and stuff was, was very articulate and like her hands were so like long and beautiful and just, uh, yeah, something touched me and I was just in a mode and I just said, okay, let's, let's do it. Yeah. I just messaged and said, let's do that. So, so the marriage was technically fixed before we ever met and I met her father first. He had seen me doing some volunteering, doing some serving, serving a few people in the dining hall, and he he was touched by my devotion. So, or at least that's how he felt. And uh, when when she even before she even mentioned my name, she just said, "There's a guy. He's American," and he's like, "Really? Show me the picture." I think I might know who it is. That's what her dad said. I think I might know who he is. And she's like, Daddy, no, you don't know who this is. Like, And he's like, no, just show me the picture. I have a feeling I think I know who he is. And turns out I was the one. So somehow mm, that was an easy pass. <laughs> yeah. So I think not many people get through the Indian father. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and just so happened her sister passed by and she saw us talking talk be talking to her father and she said wow they look good to get like i see something there you know mm. and, uh, and they come from a very traditional family so um you know every decision is like a group decision you know so i kind of had to um it had to bode well with everybody otherwise it wouldn't have worked and so yeah and then to make a long story short short um and Within a month of knowing each other or knowing about each other, we were married, and now it's been five years. So, <laughs> and it's been an incredible journey. You know, somebody from a completely different culture who understands the world in a completely different way, and it's always a check, you know, on you and your awareness and like what, you know, how you want to be, and and the respect that you want to give to your, to your spouse and what she thinks. And so all the time, like it's, it's like, you know, just being 
corrected and, and looking at things in a different way that I didn't understand before. And, you know, her having a more evolved sense of family and understanding of relationships and what it means to, to carry relationships. It's transformed me in like a way that I, I like couldn't have imagined, you know, I'm just a completely different person. And so, you know, whatever that, somebody heard that prayer, you know, and, and, uh, you know, delivered the, the perfect person for me, um, to walk, to walk down the spiritual path, you know, I mean, to, to help, you know, keep me from, to help give me a sense of, to help organize me in a way that I can actually take some steps, you know, maybe it's not like we're walking together because everybody walks by themselves, you know, but, uh, I needed somebody to kind of like get me fit to do it, you know, mm -hmm. and she was the person. She helps you dance along. What? Sorry. Helps you dance along the way. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then, uh, now you decided to go for the teacher training, right? Yeah, we lived at the ashram together for a while. And then we decided, you know, like there's responsibilities. There's her parents are there at the ashram. They're all full-time volunteers. Mother, father, sister, grandmother. I mean, it's just like everybody gave up everything and came. Mm -hmm. And um, so she felt a responsibility because like in a way like it was her initiative that brought them all there really yeah like she was the one that was like i don't care about becoming an accountant i don't care about doing anything i just want to go to the ashram and like work on myself and seek spirituality and her father and her sister or her father at least was like you know well what the heck you know like i'm I'm only out here working just so that for my daughters, but like if they, if we want to, you know, go down the, the spiritual path, then like, what's the point? I'll also go, let's go. So they kind of enabled each other to like do this. And it's really something beautiful the way the family kind of functions as one, even though they're <laughs> yeah. different people. Yeah. And it was hard to accept at first, you know, cause like I'm so used to being like completely autonomous and like nobody, I mean, but I liked it, you know, at the same time, like it was tough whenever like my decision wasn't heard because like it wasn't good and it wasn't like, you know, smart. And, and so it was tough, like to like be told, no, that's not, that's not what you should do. And, uh, but, uh, you know, it feels good though to have those people and a sense of commitment that like I've never experienced in, in the States, you know, like with, especially with my best friend that I mentioned earlier, you know, I've always had the sense that, mm, you know, for me, our friendship was everything, you know, and like, but when something would go down, you would find out that like, so you don't consider me family. You don't, you know, and I can never be part of your family because that's just not in you, you know? And I don't know if it was because I never had brothers and sisters or anything. So like, I just kind of like formed those relationships with people that I cared about. Uh, it was a hard reminder every time because I, I think I, I think I always gravitated into like a, a family, you know, like, I, like 
after I left, my best friend and I, our, our relationship cooled off, and then I, I kind of met new people, and I kind of, they also had a really cool family, and like, I ended up, they brought me right in in the same way, you know, I spent Christmas and Thanksgiving for the next few years with them, you know, and I was like one of them, you know, but like, ultimately, at the end of the day, something would happen, and it wasn't anything that like, was a deal breaker, it wasn't like anything that separated us, but like, all of a sudden, I realized whether it was subtle or whatever, that like, you don't really think of me as one of you. Mm. I'm just a friend. I'm not a brother, like a real brother. And uh, I think my wife is the first person that ever made me feel like I'm actually family, you know? Mm. And her family, like her father especially, they like included me, you know, in a way that I had never experienced before. And uh, of course, you know, I think there's always like a limit, you know, if I mess up too bad or if I did something really messed up, then like, uh, you know, that it probably wouldn't be the same. But I have to, I, I think, I, I feel that like it's the first time I've ever had that sense of stability in my life that I knew that person is there for me no matter what, you know? Mm. So that was huge. I think that was greatly empowering because there is always a sense that, you know, I'm on my own, you know? And when you're on your own, like, you never know, you know, like, there's nobody that has your back and I don't know, you, you can't take, like whole steps kind of I mean and if you do it's like they don't feel like solid steps they always feel like you could just this this the stone could break under your foot at any moment and like nobody would be there to catch you but like now I feel like somebody's there so yeah that's very beautiful <laughs> um and then uh you're saying she felt like you needed to do something and you guys decided to teacher train, right? Well, we just uh, couldn't see ourselves doing anything else, you know, because this is something that transformed our life so much that we felt that, like, we, if we have to do something, then we need to do this, you know, we need to, like, spread whatever it is that changed our lives and benefited us, you know, because, like, it's, somehow like that's all you can do you know like whatever is that highest thing in your life like you somehow just can't avoid but you have to do it you have to like yeah you have to you know every conversation ends up in that you know like if, when it on certain levels you know when you're having certain kinds of deeper interactions with people like you always kind of express whatever has been the most transformative and powerful for you so like that uh we didn't have much of a choice you know that was the only good choice and i've always been like you know after being into martial arts and everything i still wanted to like live my life in a powerful way and keep this body like super like alive and strong you know and so hatha yoga was like a perfect thing because it's it's like a very scientific way of like elevating yourself 
and your consciousness and all that um while at the same time like making your body into something that like you know most people consider impossible you know like so so yeah so we took out the program we came back to the states we traveled around and taught settled down for a while taught in one place um you know and a lot of things happened you know we we experienced wonderful people we made friendships that like are still to this day like some of the best some of the deepest relationships that we've ever experienced in our life um some of the most caring and wonderful people even people that don't do yoga <laughs> you know <laughs> still we met so many wonderful people and that itself was an eye opener you know that like we didn't get pigeonholed into thinking like yoga is the only way or something like that you know we met a lot of people that don't do any yoga and they're still really great people um but uh but they're doing some kind of yoga you know they're they're practicing love they're practicing compassion uh, whatever they're doing um they've they've become something and and that's because of something that they did whether unknowingly or unknowingly they did some form of yoga and they are who they are but uh yeah and so we experienced some betrayal as well <laughs> <laughs> we we had some people that we thought were friends and you know for us being like i mean i it's kind of seems a little maybe not great to call yourself innocent but if i look back i would say that I just wouldn't expect I would never cuz you kind of I guess you, you sometimes you project what you you feel that you would think about a situation on somebody like with my wife for instance if she looks at me in a certain way because of a certain situation I would be like think about what I would feel be feeling and so I project that on her but mm -hmm. like actually she may not be feeling that way I may be completely misreading like her facial expression or whatever so I think that also happens on the good side too. You you when you care about somebody and you love somebody, sometimes you project like what you would be feeling about that person and it reflects onto you or or you you feel that that's the same feeling and that's coming from their end, but then uh you know, we we got hurt, you know, and and maybe we deserved it, you know. I I feel that we deserve what we get, you know, and I, you know, I don't, I don't really, I still to this day, those people, I never spoken a bad word. I still in my heart still know that they're beautiful people. You know, it's just like, for some reason, things didn't work out. And, but yeah, so we experienced like a whole range of, of life, you know, like I would say, I had a friend contact me from high school a few years ago. And, uh, you know, the way that they spoke to me, it was like, it was just yesterday that like I was with them, you know, even though it was 15, 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it was like, yeah, that's what I, that's what I love about you. You know, you're, you were always like this. And I was like, I, I wish I remembered what you're like, you know, I mean, I, I hate to, I hate to be like that, but it feels like so many things have happened since then that 
can't remember. It seems like so many lives ago, you know, and so just in these past years with my wife, it feels even even more intensified, like like I've lived a few different lifetimes and and learned like more than I could have ever imagined, you know. So um so yeah, we, we took the training, we traveled, we settled down, then we decided that's no good, let's start <laughs> traveling again. And we uh we went we ended up getting a call. See, my wife was the kind of person when she was at she grew up in the yoga center. Her whole family moved there when she was eighteen. She started yoga when she was twelve. Her whole family moved into the ashram when she was eighteen. And she grew up uh, in nature. You know, she grew up in a very rural environment and she loved animals and wildlife. And so if some bird would get, it would hit his head on the glass or broken wings, she would always be the one. Everybody would come in the center and they would bring the bird there. And uh, she would nurse it back to health. And uh, so whenever we were in... Uh, we were in Omaha and we got a call from a friend who's a yoga teacher in India and she had visited a place in Africa and said, you know, these people need help and the the place is so wild and beautiful and you came in my dream, you know, like you're the person, like can you guys go? And uh, we had gone through some crazy situations, uh, you know, and we we were but we had a good solid stable life we had a nice place we had nice we were kind of working little side jobs doing a few entrepreneurial activities making like some good money you know and teaching obviously uh we were we were teaching we start and the teaching was amping up every every week uh we were doing really well for ourselves but we thought, you know what, let's have some adventure, you know. So we ended up uh, traveling to Africa. And, and yeah, and so we've been in Africa for the last two years teaching at a school and um, teaching yoga and being a part of administration. I was teaching parkour and martial arts. So quite many a, things. <laughs> going to Africa is quite a jump. <laughs> yeah. Although I guess if you're already traveling, but still, like... Um, this uh area where you're at it, i mean i've been to some rural areas but even in india if you're somewhere rural there's still so many people all around is mm. it how is it here in this place because it's pretty out there isn't it it is it's like five hours away from the uh big city of kampala it's in uh, the country of uganda and it's a beautiful place. I mean, it's all green. I mean, when you're driving there, it's like in the foothills of this huge mountain range. It's like some of the, it's like the largest mountain range in Africa. Not the tallest mountain, but still the tallest mountains, you know, in, in, in the plural sense. And uh, there's lots of people, mm, but there's not much around in terms of infrastructure, education, facilities for you know or amenities or there's just not much around um everything at the school is you know solar and rainwater catchment 
we cook we cook the food for the children in a rocket so which is like a, a barrel with a hole in it and a grate on top and so you put the wood in the bottom and it cooks everything on top you know on fire um yeah you know it was for us like a beautiful like um journey into the unknown uh but it had its challenges still does because we're still there um but ultimately like we we understood a lot more about ourselves because now we we kind of took away a lot of the things that were kind of making our our life a little cushy i guess or a little relaxed and we kind of i think in the process discovered like what's really important for us you know and like what it really means and like you know where we're trying to go you know so yeah. what would you say is like the biggest or probably multiple but like you know how um there's usually those things when you hear about some country you've never been to and you think, oh, it's like this, this, this. At least that's what mm -hmm. I saw in a movie or that's what someone told me or I read in a book or whatever. Yeah. And then you get there and it's like, oh, it's not at all like that. <laughs> so what are those things for Uganda? Well, I can tell you this. I didn't have much of an expectation. I had no idea about what the people would be like. You know, I, I had seen like black panther you know the movie because you know obviously like i told you i was really into comic books as a kid and stuff so i mean every marvel movie that comes out or whatever it's like gotta go see it or something which is a little ridiculous these days so i'm, I'm thinking about how to <laughs> limit that part of myself um but um you know, I didn't have much of an expectation. I thought it'd be colorful. I thought it'd be fun and bright and, uh, you know, simple. Um, and, you know, the thing is what I realize now is that, like, Africa's big. It's so big, you know, and there's so many different kinds of people. Like, within Uganda itself, there's just so many different tribes and language languages that aren't even connected, like, whole different language groups even that like mm -hmm. you cannot recognize anything from one language to the next um and so uh what i what i've experienced there has been both beautiful and tragic you know um it's sad to see the effect of colonialization um and like a, a deterioration of native wisdom and, and everything it's it's really tough to see because like in the area where i'm at it seems the as though they were pulled out of something and they never were quite given some somewhere to 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 reach you know they kind of were given like something that probably is a little is like less valuable you know and is it like being displaced in a way? Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of like, uh, you know, they had a certain context in which they existed. And um, they had a certain maybe like purpose. And 
a wisdom and a, and a knowledge of medicine and and uh you know they had a certain spiritual thing that they did you know religion and all those kinds of things and then basically when when people came and kind of said that's not it you know do this other religion you know and do this uh, do this education right which is which is mainly i think uh uh, uh like this thing where it's like they're training them to to fill um to be cogs in a in a machine you know that that isn't necessarily like doesn't have any context over there you know um if, if they were in the western world and, and then that education may be more relevant because at least they could use it for something um but over here it's like they just kind of like erased their connection and their context in which they existed. And so they, they kind of, none of them remember the old ways and, um, and, uh, but, you know, so, so in that sense, it's sad. Um, and to see like what happens to people when they're kind of like, uh, when they haven't been exposed um, to, to ways of like to beautiful ways of living you know they've they've they basically are just on a survival mode where um and granted this isn't everybody you know if you go to kampala or if you are you know even in the even in the villages there'll be a few people here and there that are just um you know really forward thinking and it seems to seem to be like really wonderful people and thoughtful and um, have a lot of integrity. Um, but uh, generally what I've seen is the effect of poor education or just wrong education and and a lack thereof, even of that. And so um, it's a beautiful place, but it has a lot of challenges. Like if you wanna be there, like you just have to accept certain realities. But the beautiful thing about that is that You have an opportunity to see the best in people because even if they let you down you start to discover that that's not all of who they are you know so for instance if something gets stolen or maybe somebody if you have to continuously tell somebody to like do like for instance we have a lot of people on campus that are local people and like you kind of have to guide them every step of the way on on most things just because they haven't had the exposure but but you start to kind of you know realize that when you have to when you're in somebody else's place and like you're 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 working with people who are less exposed or something like that like they may not be like what you expect them to be, but like, you still see them for people, you know, like you still are forced to like, cause a lot of times you can just turn away from relationships like that. You can just like remove those people from your life or you can just start hanging out with a different crowd or whatever, if you don't like something about somebody. But then like the situation we're in is we have got to work with these people. And, um, and so even if they don't 
like live up to your expectation, that doesn't really mean anything. You know, they, they still are wonderful people. It's just that they're different than what you thought they would be or what they should be. So anyway, I, I feel it's hard to say it in a, in a way that's like really coherent, but um, for me at least, <laughs> but I, I just feel that, uh, you learn to see the best in people and to not hold on to things that you don't prefer about those, about them as such. Yeah. Mm. Um, so in terms of, uh, being in this school, um, and helping them with all that, what would you say are like the most, The things which you feel you've really gleaned a really interesting lesson or, or had some kind of personal growth just from being there. So I, I would say it was similar to the experience I had when I first entered into my family with my wife is that, you know, you kind of, um, you can only like stretch your understanding to a certain point on your own. Um, it's like you can only seems that you can only at least for me you can only imagine that things can be like this much different you know but then the way people the way people experience the world or the way they look at the world or the way they experience things for some reason it's hard to imagine beyond a certain point that it could be so different you know and so i think um when we first arrived we thought we kind of thought that like we can just implement everything that we think would work you know and so that's kind of what we try to do and like but we slowly started to understand that um we didn't know these people you know we didn't understand what they value what what are their what do they care about what are their goals in life what does it mean to be a Rotoro or, you know, a Batoro or whatever, you know, whatever tribe they're from, like, okay, well, how are the tribes different? You know, are some people like this, some people maybe like that, you know, we just thought they all fit into the same understanding that we have, you know, and so I think the most valuable lesson that I learned was like, you know, you can't assume anything, you know, you just can't make assumptions about, uh, you know, the values and the, the life, you know, the life breadth of these, of, of people, you know, like whatever makes their life, you know, you, you can't, uh, you can't even imagine sometimes, you know, it's like, it's like, an, it's like, uh, it's like being a parent, you know, once you were a child, but it seems that now you're this age, you can't remember, you can't even imagine what it's like to be them anymore. You know, um, that's not exactly the same, but it's similar in that, like, you're both humans, but, uh, and, but you've, you've been groomed in a certain way. And so it's very difficult to kind of imagine that people could feel so differently about everything you know and experience their life and in, in, in a completely different way um 
Another thing that I learned that I think is relevant here and would be like valuable for people to understand is that like, you know, I met a lot of rich people in Uganda. You know, I, I sat in a billionaire's house. I thought it was a hotel. I was like really thought I was really thrown off. You know, I didn't know what was going on. Like we were invited to somebody's house. I knew they were wealthy, but like we got there, I thought it was a hotel. And I was like, then I saw pictures of their family, like, and like, it was, it was like, I, I didn't know what to think, you know? Um, but there were a lot of assumptions that I had about rich people as well as poor people, mm -hmm. you know, like I thought, okay, rich people must be exploitative because they're making lots of money and there's lots of poor people out there. You know, they must be like, you know, there must be something in them that's not right. Um, and on the other hand, I had a lot of expe expectations about uh, poor people, like, oh, they're all maybe, you know, like these are attitudes that you don't know about until they come to the forefront of your mind. Like they're just somewhere in the background. Yeah. So I imagine that all the poor people were like good people and deserved a chance and like, you know, just maybe weren't getting it. And, um, so what I experienced was, uh, is that like, you know, I met some really wonderful, really wealthy people and I, it, it kind of struck me that like, okay, like there's nothing wrong with, with being wealthy, you know, like, I, I mean, I, it's, you know, and, and then I met some poor people who, you know, like it just they they were also exploitative you know they were they 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 wanted to get something from everybody you know and instead of they, they didn't really want to um you know make something out of their own you know uh out of from their own effort they didn't want to do anything with themselves so um so it's just been a lesson in compassion on all levels, you know. I had to learn to accept people that weren't going to be the way that I thought they were going to be. Uh, I had to learn that, you know, what I think about people. I had to learn, first of all, that I even had those attitudes that I didn't really know about until, like, I just got into that situation. And I had to learn that was total BS, you know. I just had so many assumptions within me that just, like, don't make any sense and so and, and and i learned that you know like one quality is not what makes a man you know or makes the woman uh it's 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 much more than that and so ultimately like what i think i learned is is that like whenever i step into a new situation or whenever i get to be with new people I just won't make those same assumptions you know and mm -hmm. uh, and I won't carry that with me in my life you know that I, I think this is that and you know so it just it just broke me down a little bit basically yeah mm -hmm. uh, one thing I found a lot a lot of people who are in a, a teaching field specifically with like kids is that even though you're teaching them you end up just learning a lot from them mm -hmm. so did you find that to be true when you were teaching? I did. Um, 
maybe I'm a little self-centered, but I felt that I learned a lot about myself rather than learning something like, you know, I mean, it was like, I, I definitely learned from them, you know, but I think the things I had to do to kind of be a teacher taught me about myself. It wasn't like that they necessarily, I mean, I'm saying it, I don't want to like take the credit away from them because like they were the, they were the kind of catalysts without them. I wouldn't have had to jump in and do whatever I did, you know? Um, but, uh, it was it was the act of be, be trying to be a teacher that I think brought many things out in me that uh, that were kind of revolutionary. You know, I mean, especially in terms of what my idea of myself. You know, I thought I I kind of didn't really know what I was capable of. You know, and I didn't really know how I would be in a situation where I needed to do something. And people were, were like counting on me and, you know, I had to kind of like, and what, what I would do when things aren't going right, you know, and whenever I just have to kind of like do my best, you know, and, and what, it, what I would, what it would be like to not have a really important answer for somebody, you know, like if, you know, cause they, they come to you with those questions and like, I'm not that well read. I'm not that well educated. You know, I mean, um, you know, and and even if I was, there's going to be things that you just can't answer. You know, no matter how well read or educated you are. And uh, you know, I didn't know what it would be like to have to be a role model in somebody's life and be a teacher. So. I learned what I learned from them was more like cultural and more like, um, you know, it was kind of more human in that I, I understood, um, that children, no matter where they come from, can, can be a possibility you know, not, not determined by their parentage or their, or where they're coming from, because I mean, it's just like a stark difference, you know, just a little bit of exposure had created these little beings that were like, so much far, so far different. Like, if you just look at the two faces between like their parents and them, if you just look on their face, look at their face, like in contrast, like you can just see that the child had so much more sophistication in their face, the way they expressed themselves, the, the look, the, the ponderance on, on their, in their expression was like much more advanced than just looking at their parents or something that who had not had an education or any exposure. Mm -hmm. So what I learned from them was like human um, and like fundamental. Um, it but but what I learned through the act of just trying to jump in there and be something for them was like much more in that like I discovered who I am, you know, um, 
in, in situations that I had never been in before, you know, so, mm. so like that, yeah. Uh, so that kind of catches us up to, you know, what you're up to right now, because you still have a little bit more time at the school, right? Yep. Um, you know, the school has gone through a change. Um, you know, there's been an effort to try to kind of restructure the school in such a way that uh, it it can more readily sequester its resources um, in, in terms of finance, in terms of, I don't want to refer to people as resources, but in terms of, you know, talented educated individuals in the local and, you know, kind of neighboring areas that need a platform to launch themselves from. So in terms of teachers, in terms of administrators, all those things, uh, you know, the school was being held up by a couple of people's know-how and, um, what there's been an effort to do is kind of like change that in a way where um, it, it kind of is self-fulfilling, you know, it, it kind of generates the kind of people and interest and resources that it needs. And uh, so once those things are in order and once few people that are really needed come into the picture, then I think it'll it'll probably be time for us to go. Yeah. Mm. So um, at this point, we usually look at because we're starting to transition into like future. Mm. So when we look at the future, uh, it's limitless possibilities, right? And so just like that, I leave this uh, where we go in the, this part of the podcast more up to you. We can uh, look at many things like are there going through all the things you've been through up to this point? Are there problems you feel? really need to be focused on a bit more by um, people in either areas you've lived or areas you visited or things like that. Or maybe instead, do you want to just look at um, painting a picture of what you would like the future look like? For both. It's up to you. <laughs> well, um, you know, man, I think if I've learned one thing, in the last few years, it's that uh, I don't know much about the political and socioeconomic situations that are happening. Uh, and, um, but I think there's something more like elemental. I mean, in, in, in the world that kind of I feel, I hope to see happen, in which I'm kind of trying to uh, make happen as much as possible, is that uh, well, it's hard to be honest with you. I, I draw a blank because I hate to say this, but maybe I'm just too selfish, you know, because like, I really can't see anything outside of just working on myself, you know, 
I just, I, I really have no idea what needs to happen in the world. I just want to be a light, you know, and like, I just want to walk free from, from suffering within myself, you know, I don't want to be touched by all the unpleasantness, you know, and that's happening. And so what I feel in the future is just, I wanted to see how I can become everything that I know needs to happen, you know, uh, and, and on a very sim sim simplistic level, it's just that all that I know needs to happen is that, like, I need to break down all the barriers within myself that separates me from you or me from my other brother or or the rest of my family on this on this planet, you know, which is every other human being and every other animal and every other living creature, plant, animal, or otherwise, you know, and um, because I think that what's happening that I've seen that's so disturbing is that there's just, you know, if it's not racism, it's tribalism, you know, the same race can just <laughs> hate the other people that live, that look just like them, but live, you know, in a different place or something like that, you know, all, I've just seen like barriers that people build in their minds that separate us from everything else. And as Sadhguru has said, or has, or many other great yogis and masters and, and, you know, intuitive individuals have expressed that, you know, it's, there's no us and them or us and the environment or anything. There's just ecology. You know, there's just one system that flows into the next system. And, we keep stunting our um, our uh, we keep stunting our our growth and our uh, our I'm trying to find the word, but uh, our um, our ability to just uh, live in a in a Stunting our own progress. Yeah, progress, but uh, I would say just our our own. Um, gosh, there's one word there <laughs> that's that I'm trying to grasp, but it's just uh, uh, we're 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 maybe fruitful fruitfulness or our. Uh, I really can't, I really can't think of what it is, but we're, we're, we're not living to, we're not being what we could be, you know, and I'm kind of a Lord of the Rings fanatic, you know, like for so many years. And so like, when I, when I look at it, I'm like, you know, the elves, we could, we could be the elves, you know, like we, could, that's us actually, that's the, like the higher form of us, you know, like we could figure this out. We could learn how to um, live on this planet in a beautiful way, uh, you know, but 
but I think the first thing is we have to stop seeing separation between us and everything else. So that's just what I think the, the future is all about for me, my hunger for it and my determination. And I might even go as far to say desperation to experience it and feel it because I've touched it for moments and it's it's not stayed with me and it just it frustrates me more and more every time you know and I think I want to become that answer you know and I think that if if it if that can happen then uh it may just the whatever fragrance of that will just inspire hopefully inspire others you know but I, I can't think about that honestly I can't take that um I can't take that on my head and I, I can't feel that I'm just I'm done with altruism you know I'm not doing this for anybody else but I'm doing it for myself and I hope that it ha it Ultimately, it's it's worth it for everyone, you know. Whatever, whatever, whatever selfishness I have to, I have to, I, you know, delve into to to make it happen. Maybe, maybe nobody will remember that when when the product is finished, you know. Whenever. <laughs> so so yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. And uh, as far as maybe just generally because uh you know you've probably traveled more than some less than others but quite a bit more than a lot of people that never really leave uh, the general area they're at mm -hmm. so inevitably that gives you a little bit more uh, sight into what's going on i noticed that for myself anyway when i went to mm -hmm. Peru or india or different places i, I just you just see things that help give you a little more clarity mm-hmm so based on that, simply off of what you've seen, knowing that we can't know hardly anything, mm -hmm. um, what do you feel you see coming in the next five years, just based off that limited information? Okay. Well, I think um, I think that in the name of convenience things may suddenly become very inconvenient. And I feel that I've seen, I've seen that, you know, seen that you don't have to be right it's okay <laughs> yeah, I know I'm just you know I, I I think it's it's hard to kind of um put it into like a it's hard for me to kind of like say it in a way because there's always this side of me of going like I there's 
maybe there's something I'm not, I'm not seeing, you know? And so when I say that, you know, this is what I've seen, I'm kind of like thinking that I've seen enough to know that like, there's a whole lot out there that if I, if I say something, it's, it's kind of only like looking at one side. So I, I can't really, it's hard for me to actually express it. But what I can say is that like, you know, within the cities and within the, you know, the heart, the hearts of people, I've, um, I've seen both equally, you know, I've seen, uh, there's people have been empowered and things have become in, c convenient, but like, it seems that like life still fills itself up, you know, in, in a way that it, it doesn't really matter, you know, like days still become still become too long and and uh you know people still become um overworked you know and it's like i just think um To be honest with you, I don't know what to say, man. I really, I really don't know. I really just okay. don't know. Sorry. Perfectly accepted answer. Yeah, yeah. Mm, what about um, for yourself? Is there anything you'd like to see in the next five years? Or that you're working toward? Mm. And it's okay to say, I don't know. Yeah. Um... So wait, the 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 I'm sorry because I think maybe I got a little lost. The previous question was, "What would you like to see happen in the next five years, or what do you think is going to happen?" Yeah, what do you? Okay, yeah. Okay, well, maybe if I take it from a little bit of a different angle, or a little bit, if I bring it down a level, I can kind of see that I think uh, I think in the next five years, um, there's going to be like a invest and like an investment on so many different levels not just monetary or whatever but on innovation because i think we we've been put into an interesting situation and now um so many people have had to come up have, they've had to like figure out things you know they've had to like learn how to do things in a different way so that they could survive and so out of this kind of hardship i think like there's going to be so many so much innovation and i think it's like an exponential thing where it's like a little bit we make a little progress and then we think wow well now we could actually do this much more and the way that technology is going and everything i think that we could see things in the next few years that like we literally we really didn't imagine and that we would have probably taken a lot more time had like had the world not had things not happened the way it did this past year you know with with the, with the pandemic and all those things um so i think i think i think it's gonna be like kind of like a i see it kind of being like a rubber band effect people are gonna feel this like breaking out whenever things kind of settle down and things are gonna just kind of explode you know and i just hope that it explodes in the right way because otherwise if we just if the environment deteriorates more and and if we just use up more natural resources and if we just go crazy um then I don't think that's going to be great. But I I think that 
there's enough technologies and effort going in the right direction that it something amazing might happen in the next few years. Uh, but, you know, as far as myself, you know, I think that I'm at like a point right now where it's like, I've really understood that, that I, that I want to make, make a few steps in my life. So I think the next few years are going to be challenging in that I'm going to have to kind of like address those few things that I've ignored within myself and I'm going to have to um, kind of expose a part of myself that like I've been kind of keeping hidden you know not not necessarily hidden but just like I'm going to have to like kind of there's always like seems like a limit you know when you're wanting to look within yourself like there's like, okay, and you just kind of accept it as like, okay, that's it. I won't go beyond that, you know, because mm -hmm. it would disturb my fundamental understanding of myself too much. Um, and I'm saying this on like a very deep, deep level, you know, not like anything like crazy or, or, or anything, but it's just that like within myself, you know, like. I think I'm going to have to kind of go to the next level on, on looking at things and really accepting that like, okay, like this is what I'm going to have to do if I want to take a step. Like I'm going to have to get more disciplined or I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to basically give up something that I really love, you know, like for instance, like I was saying, like Marvel movies, entertainment as such, you know, it's like, I know somewhere in me that like entertainment it, there's like a choice and that choice is either entertainment or going through the boredom and coming out the other side and and experiencing something that's far beyond hmm. what I'm what I'm distracting myself with so like that I think that in the next few years I'm going to come up against a few important decisions where it's going to be like listen I don't care about watching that movie or whatever. Like I need to do something else that's more productive and, and I'm looking forward to it. You know, I'm looking forward to it. And I think that I, unfortunately, I don't know if I can do it on my own. I'm going to, I'm going to need help. And uh, so I see myself seeking out the right situations and the right people that can give me the space that I need and give me a safe enough environment that I can kind of turn away from a few things that I think are going to be honestly are going to be the last barriers on, on many levels. And after that, I'm not saying that I'll have a reach somewhere, but I will definitely have a clear path where if I just keep going and I just run, keep my head down, just keep running that, um, I might find myself in a different place in the, in the next few years. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, land on a late note with a few rapid fire questions. Sure. It's like first thing that comes to your head, right? First one, super important. Favorite ice cream. Ah, <laughs> uh, 
Oh my god, pistachio. Pistachio, really? Pistachio. Yeah, hey, it's the pistachio. <laughs> I mean, if you just have to like cut out all anything like, you know, I was thinking funky stuff like peanut butter cup or something like that, but if I just had to go for like straight kind of like flavor, definitely pistachio. Pistachio. Okay. Yeah. Um your favorite like physical activity when you just need to like work out some energy. Oh, physical act favorite physical activity. Okay. Um I really like I really like frisbee. Okay. Um I like capoeira. <laughs> uh if I have to do I like to just um like to just go out and run around like kind of it's like I like to do I like to do little obstacle courses like in my little area like wherever it might be whether it's in my house or whatever I like to just move like it's just basically moving you know like I, I like to just crawl climb jump whatever it is you know like um, but I wouldn't say there's any like specific thing that I like to do like mm. that. Yeah. Uh, what is the, like something really quirky about you that people will probably never know otherwise? Huh. Um, gosh, that's a tough question. Oh, what would your wife say? <laughs> what would my wife say? Um, uh, we'll quiz her later and see. Yeah, <laughs> I think uh, I think what people um, I think I'm actually a perfectionist, uh, but you would never know it by looking at like my habitation or <laughs> anything. Um, it's like, it seems to kind of keep it, you know, focus itself only in certain places. And so like my wife would normally, you know, call me out on my entire lifestyle, but then there's just funny little spots where it's like the only thing she's not seeing is that one thing that really bothers me, mm. you know, like, so so like that, uh, I'm I'm like loose on so many things, but then there's a few things that like if they're not perfect, like it just won't work. It just works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I wish I could come up with something better, but uh, I think I'm much less quirky than I used to be, and I think that's good. <laughs> okay. Yeah. What about an old quirk? An old quirk. Um, Ooh man, when you were a younger man. <laughs> well, gosh, you know, I, I think, um, that now we've already gone out of rapid fire territory and I've already lost. Where's the rapid fire? <laughs> Yeah, pass, pass. pass. Yeah, I can't okay, think okay, of it okay. now. Pass. How about next one? Um, do you have any 
like fun short stories from uh, like school when you were a kid? Fun short stories from when I was a kid at school. Hmm. God. <laughs> oh man. Honestly, not that I can think of right now. I wish I did. Any latest funny story that happened? <laughs> Any latest funny story that yeah. happened to me? Uh, and there's something, there's few things that I usually, you know, would retell. But now I'm, I'm just drawing a blank. Okay. Well, I know a joke. You had all these like lame jokes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> good joke. Let's see. It can even be a good lame joke. It's fine. <laughs> okay. So. A pair of jumper cables. <laughs> a pair of jumper cables walked into the bar. Bartender says, hey. Don't you go starting anything. <laughs> <laughs> okay, oh, a lot okay. of people wouldn't get it. Anyway, a skeleton walks into the bar, asks for a beer and a mop. Okay. That's the end of the joke. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, anyway. All right. All right. Um <laughs> Okay. Uh I guess I am uh very glad to I've had you on. Thank you so much. Yeah. This has you. been uh I love doing these podcasts because I there's just so many parts of people that you meet and you just never really get to know them deeper because you either weren't there or it just, just doesn't come up or whatever. So these are really special to me and I'm really grateful that you came on and I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, me too. Thank you. And uh that's it everybody. So um, do you have any um, anything like to plug, like the school or anything? In case people want to know more. Yeah, so you know, if you're if you're thinking about trying to, um, you know, find some peace of mind and balance and all those things that maybe uh, have been unreachable up until now, I would definitely suggest looking up Isha Hatha Yoga or Isha Yoga. Um, Inner engineering, Satguru, any of those things on YouTube, and uh, you might find, you know, some things that you had always been feeling, but never really had any words put to it, and it might, you know, help you like it helped me, and I really hope that it does. Um, if you are, uh, you know, cruising the internet and you want to, you know, figure out a way of lending a hand or um, doing something that, you know, having an adventure that maybe you uh, have always been wanting to have, but never, you know, could decide what it should be, then you can look up Sadhguru School. Uh, it's in Uganda, and uh, we always need talented, um, passionate individuals that, you know, might be willing to come and help us, you know, uh, bring some knowledge to some people that really need it. To... So, yeah, that's that's it. And, uh, yeah, thank you so much for having me. Of course. 
And thank you for uh, listening. You know, this, <laughs> I get a lot out of this, but uh, I hope you do too. This is uh, it's just fun, and I'll see you in the next one. Ha, ha, ha.